Hello, listeners. Guten Tag and bienvenidos, and welcome to Uber Cinco, the podcast where we deep dive top fives. We are coming at you during Election Week 2020. That's right, we are just a few days away from history when we, as a nation, will select our 46th president of these United States or confirm our first dictator. In honor of the election this week, our two candidates will reveal and defend their top five celebrity presidential cabinets. The roles we'll be debating are press secretary, secretary of defense, secretary of state, chief of staff, and of course, top of the ticket, a president and vice president. Our first candidate is the incumbent, the commander-in-chief, the POTUS with the MOTUS, the FLOTUS with the SCROTUS, Brian Ernst. Brian, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm glad I got the SCROTUS. (laughs) (laughs) And our challenger from across the aisle, the renegade, the maverick, the individualist who ultimately sold out all of his beliefs and convictions while climbing his way up the political system and whose lust for power grows ever more voracious by the minute, it's Mitch Brinkman. Mitch, how you doing? Hi there. Hi there. Thank you so much for having me. And just uh, at the outset, I'd love to uh, uh, give my warmest thanks to uh, to Central Indiana Community College, who's hosting our Zoom today. And also want to say thank you to the CICC faculty, the CIC staff and you, the CICC students for having uh, us here on your on your campus. Um, I, I think uh, this is a great day to debate the issues, to figure out how to move forward as Americans as patriots and as one united front um, uh, against uh, uh, non-celebrity presidential cabinets. And so with that, I want to, again, also thank the Central Indiana Community College uh, uh, janitorial staff. This building is clean, as I can see on the Zoom here. I want to thank the CICC uh, residents uh, who live near the college, who, who, who provide the food for the students, who wash the windows, who turn the lights on, who lock the doors, and who roll their sleeves up and do the good hard work that all Americans thrive on. So thank you very much, and uh, uh, let's debate. <laughs> all right. Well, with that shameless pandering out of the way, let's uh, go over a quick reminder of the Uber Cinco rules. Each player in the den has spent time with today's topic, arranging their top five answers in order of importance. Those answers have been submitted to the host who will moderate the game, awarding points to the player with the most poignant answer. Starting with their number five choice, we'll move up the ranks until we reach each of their top answers. But if both contestants happen to have the same answer on their list, well, we have an Uber Stereo. You will hear the official Uber Cinco siren, and both players must reveal their answer and what number they ranked their submission. An Uber stare down is all or nothing, with one player earning three points. After all answers have been read, the host will reveal the final score. And as host, I am entitled to institute a house rule. Sticking with today's election theme, the scoring will be slightly different. We'll be bringing back a tradition that we tossed in the closet when it became outdated two centuries ago, and it's been collecting dust ever since, the Uber Cinco Electoral College. (laughs) Each round will be worth a varying degree of points based on population. And another quick reminder, don't forget to stick with us until the end of the show where I, Nathan Henninfant, will give you my Fast Five send-off where I'll rattle off the definitive list of the top five presidential election what-ifs. And please consider dropping us a review wherever you download podcasts and be sure to share it with your friends. If you do have a topic or Fast Five you're dying for us to cover, head over to bizbear.biz to submit your suggestion. We may even battle it out on an upcoming episode. Let's start off with our number fives, which will be our press secretaries. Mitch, get us going. Who's your press secretary? Thank you so much uh, for having me go first. I love kicking it off. I love bringing quality energy uh, to the conversation. <laughs> and my my number five, my press secretary, the person who's going to be out front ahead of it all, putting a beautiful face on this administration's words, thoughts, and actions will be none other than the legend. Rest in peace, my friend, Fred Willard. <laughs> <laughs> That was an applause line. Next time, please clap. Thank you very much. Um, so, All right, uh, and <laughs> Please clap. Uh, no. <laughs> Fred Willard, absolute legend. The man can turn anything um, cheery. Um, his, his dark sense of humor and best in show made me think of him first here. Um, 
And I, I can't wait for hit, for a, a reporter to ask him a question. You know, uh, Mr. Willard, uh, can you comment on your your administration's inability to uh, fix the the leaking uh, toxic waste in the uh, Three Mile Island area once again? And then he can say, "What happened?" Um, his, <laughs> his famous uh, catchphrase uh, from the Christopher Guest film. So. Um, <clears throat> He's tall. He's got a good jawline, good head of hair. Um, he's he's smart, but not smart enough where like he's just, you know, he's the puppet talking. Um, and uh, he's quick witted as well. Of course, a very famous improviser, which is what you need in a press secretary. Someone to roll with the punches, someone to not fall into those gotcha traps and someone to um, to charm. To make those reporters fall in love with the administration, uh, so in those times when they need to do uh, some, make some unilateral decisions, if you will, um, that uh, those are received a little more lightly uh, in the press's minds. So, um, Fred Willard, I, I sent you guys that short film I found, uh, Ray's um, uh, male heterosexual dance hall uh, Oscar-winning short film in 1987. What a weirdest what a weird thing little I've treat ever that. seen in my life. <laughs> what, a, what a delightful little treat that was. Um, I, I also, actually had to, I actually had to several times legitimately ask myself if I was having a bad dream while watching that. <laughs> this, this, after I looked up that it was an, an Oscar winning short film. Uh, yeah. So w- what's the name of it? So any listeners can look this up and. It's called Ray's Male Heterosexual Dance Hall. It's a film about a young man who needs a job and he sees a friend out and it's all about contacts. It's about meeting the right people and you meet the right men for those good corporate jobs at Ray's Male Heterosexual Dance Hall. And the whole <laughs> film is just about, you know, it's, it's, it's about the the dance of personalities, if you will. So um, <laughs> it's, it's it very strange. utterly bizarre. It was very bizarre. It was wonderful. Uh, but, I, but I think that Fred Willard perfectly encapsulates the press secretary because this is a worker position. This is not, you know, um, this is not a gilded position, Well, This is not someone who, who comes in and says, well, guess what? My daddy was the press secretary. That, that, that doesn't happen often. And Fred Willard has been working his tail off since he got to Hollywood. Um, up until his death, would do regular appearances on the Jimmy Kimmel show, you know, just trying to make people laugh, doing fun bits here and there. Um, and uh, so really, he's been out there. He's been communicating with the general public for five decades now. He's my perfect press secretary. He had a short stint uh, maybe seven or eight years ago that not many people are aware of where he hosted a show called Trust Us With Your Life, which was a like a summer replacement show. It was basically the cast of Whose Line Is It Anyway? And there would be a celebrity on and they would improvise around that celebrity's life and uh, my my friend Dusty and I, we were both home that summer and we had Trust Us Tuesdays when we <laughs> would always get together and watch <laughs> Trust Us With Your Life. But it, it, the show didn't last that long because it was like, oh, it's Whose Line Is It Anyway w- with a kink thrown in that makes it worse. So they got rid of it and just brought back Whose Line Is It Anyway. But Fred yeah. Willard, he did a heroic job hosting. So that's uh, that's a solid pick. Brian, I'd like to see what you've got in the other corner. All right, so I went in a complete opposite direction for mine. Mine, she's got a little bit of a comedy background, but I chose my press secretary as Octavia Spencer. So the reason I have her in there, just picture her at the podium. I feel like her eyes do more talking than most mouths do, and that's what I need in my press secretary. So she will glare at stupid questions, and she will crack a joke at the right time. And she won't take any shit from real fake news like Blaze Media, Breitbart, or One American News Network. She'll she'll <laughs> skip right over the nonsense and just be like, Mm-mm, no, just next. <laughs> I want to hear her just say next every time something stupid is asked of her. Uh, and some days we're going to need her producing brain. She's going to have to juggle a lot of projects and policies and, and have to spin them all. So she's got to be able to do that. Some days I'm going to need her mini attitude from the help or she's just going to have to be stubborn and not get through and shut down the wrong people. Some days we're going to need her creep factor. If you've ever seen Ma, it's a very, it's not a good movie, but she basically wants to trap teenagers in her basement and drug them. It's very, very creepy. But most days we're going to need hidden figures, Octavia Spencer, to bring sanity back to this press corps because we need somebody smart. We need somebody funny. We need somebody who can shut down the stupidity. This is why I have Octavia Spencer as my press secretary in my soon-to-be-announced administration. Wow. Yeah, I, I can't see a situation thrown at her that she couldn't handle. 
Yeah. She is uh she's very very quick can can handle uh in any role she has. She she's small. She's I don't know what, five foot two at the yeah, tallest. Yeah, she's not very yeah, not but very she's, tall. She has a commanding presence for sure in any situation. So this is uh this is a strong pitch. Mitch, any any rebuttals to Octavia Spencer? You know, I think that uh again, she's very small, so there's gonna be there's going to be an image of weakness as you walk into the press room and you have to bring an apple box with you every single time. Um, <laughs> Why don't you just so keep I'm sorry. the apple box at the podium? Problem well, she still has to step up on an apple box and I uh-uh. still know it's there's there. A, there's a very specific grade from the back to where oh, she is there? Oh, yeah, that hasn't been installed. No problem. Okay. I, you know, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Octavia Spencer, someone who has, has earned their stripes. She is a, a tried and true um, Hollywood um, a worker again, I, I would say much like Fred Willard. I just, I think that the classic press secretary um, presence is someone who can, who can fill a room physically, not just with their personality. So, cause obviously all these people on our list can fill a room with their personality. They're stars and that's why we love them. So, but. Oh, I'm sorry. Current Kaylee is a, is a commands a presence or. Sean no, Spicer I'm not. No, 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 no. Do but not take some... my words and and misapply them to give them kudos to the current administration. Okay. That's not what I want you to do. I just. <clears throat> Thank you. <laughs> he just stops. <laughs> well, I, I have to make a decision. I, and... you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just if you think about it, if you think about it, you're dealing with the press on a daily basis. Do you want someone who's been. Thinking on their feet for 50 years straight? I probably, yeah. I, I think that sounds like a great attribute to have in this position. I rest my case. Thank you very much. Mitch is a racist. We got it. Cool. Moving on. <laughs> no. Oh, no, no, Boom. no, no, no. Pull no, the no. card. Pull the card. Wow. All right. You Stop can't the mud, pull that mud card. Slinging. No more mudslinging <laughs> on this campaign trail. I am going to make my I, decision, and there is nothing I would like more than to see Fred Willard – no, your mic has been cut. It's over. Okay. <laughs> I would like nothing more than to see Fred Willard as the press secretary cracking jokes, except to have the commanding presence in any situation of Octavia Spencer. And so since this was our round number five, our number fives, it's based off the fifth state to join the union with its seven electoral votes, Connecticut. So, Brian, you get all seven points. Wow, I like this. This is a fun electoral college twist. Also, Susie, moderate. The next time you accuse us of mudslinging, remember who actually threw an insult. Just Brian, okay? I didn't say anything about him. All I said is a quality attribute and a press secretary would be five decades of thinking on your feet. That's all. Thank you very much. I'm just saying it's not a debate unless the other person calls the other one a racist. That is the rule. That is the most pessimistic uh, gobbledygook Russian thing I've ever heard. Let's bring, <laughs> let's bring, let's bring the conversation and the level of civility back up again. All right, let's 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 try and push it back up the hill to that shining city. Thank you very much. All right, well, Mitch, you have a chance to take us back to this shining city with uh, your your civilized candor now. So I would like to hear your uh, number four, which uh, this cabinet post is uh, Secretary of Defense. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so my secretary of defense, uh, this is someone, you know, they have they have their their the first hand on the button, you know, and then they then they go to the president and, you know, they say, here are our plans. This is what the button means. This is what the big offense that we're going to bring is is is, is going to do to our enemies. This is this is the potential loss of life, the casualties, the consequences. So you need someone who's pragmatic who uh, does not um, waffle, they cannot be a waffler. No, no, no. They have to be strong in a, in a, in a, in a crazy wind. They have to be um, uh, onto their own, their own pillar of strength. And so my, for my Secretary of Defense, I'm going with Denzel Washington. That was another applause line you guys missed again. That's okay, Central Indiana Community College. Uh, we love you anyway. Uh, <laughs> go, go oak trees. Okay, um, so <clears throat> he's always cool under pressure, of course, and that's what you need in a, in a, in a sec def. Um, and he he's never seemed to worry about being overly popular or being too obsessed with being a giant star. Like he kind of keeps to himself. Uh, he remains him at all times. Um, I think his characters also are never worried about 
um, what other people think. Uh, he, he's been in some really great, uh, like militant roles, you might say here. Glory, classic film. Um, Philadelphia, he's a fighter. He's a fighter as a lawyer. Malcolm X, the great revolutionary, Hunt for October, American gangster, the man leads. And then, of course, Man on Fire, he's he's uh, a man with a set of special skills. And um, But regardless of what movie he's in, his characters are always, they're strong, they're full of vigor. Um, again, they, 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 they never lack strength. They're often in authority position or perhaps a uh, uh, a non um, outside of the institution authority position. Um, and he's also able to pull off some major brutalities, brutality in these roles, do some like really potentially sort of messed up stuff that you have to do to protect a country. And he remains calm and unflappable and classy the whole time he does it. Um, and I think that would be, uh, absolutely beneficial to the to the position of sec death um handling those emotional consequences um you know and of course training day perhaps his his most famous role the one he won an oscar for he you know he he gets the job done whether you like it or not in in the way that it has to be done and for these circumstances and sometimes those are the calls you have to make uh when your phone rings at 3 a.m and uh and there's shit popping off overseas or here at the homeland you got to wake up and you got to make a decision you got to look yourself in the mirror and you, you got to say, I need to protect these people. And that's my job as sec def. So that's why I chose Denzel Washington. I think the moment uh, from Denzel's career that's jumping into my mind right now is from American Gangster when he has the confrontation with Idris Elba in the middle of the street. And Ooh. he it's a chilling scene. I mean, two, yep. two absolute titans, two alpha males uh, really on top of their game. And uh, there's only one winner. And uh, I'll yeah, say th- is this is the scene where telling case that that's the scene where he's having uh, breakfast with his brothers. Right. And he gets up and he leaves and they watch him just walk down the block and then. Yeah. And then take yep. care of of business and then come back. And then he like exactly. does that thing that Denzel can do with like napkins. You know, how he, like wipes like only Denzel can wipe his mouth like he does with a napkin, you know, <laughs> and, like, wipe it and then crumple it up. And then he's like. Any questions or like, like what's next? <laughs> and everyone's is, like, okay, you're the boss. Yep, 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 yep. You're you're in charge. Cool. That's Got it. star power. Like that's why Denzel is a is a movie. Like there's actors and and he is a fine one of the finest actors, but he's also a yep. movie star, a bona fide movie star. A movie star is somebody who you can watch crumple up a napkin and be moved yep. by it. Yes. Yeah. All right. This is this is a good choice, Brian. You have your work cut out for you here. Who is your secretary of defense? Nobody who could be further opposite from Denzel Washington. <laughs> Bob have, Balaban. He's my I, secretary of defense. <laughs> pretty close. I have sec deaf Larry David. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so. Someone argue not even an actor. Someone argue just <laughs> remains himself at all time. No. We said celebrity. We didn't say. Yeah, no, I know. I know. So I know. I know. We have. You went for a traditional sec def position, somebody that can be calm, cool, collected, can be tough when needed. I went the pacifist route. I'm going somebody who is going to deter more war than Larry David. Every <laughs> attack that I... he will have to go out and do will seem like way too much effort for him. Like, sir, we need to go bomb, blah, blah, blah. Do we have your permission to bring this to the president? Do you want to go tell the president? I don't want to. Just let's stay out of it. See, that's what I want from Larry David at SecDef. And then he'll get more upset in the morning about spilling coffee all over his stars and stripes than he will about the actual day's events. And he's going to be so distracted that he won't get us into unnecessary wars or anything like that. He won't have anything to pitch this administration because he's so upset about his coffee spills. And in the case of war, a disinterested and maybe lazy Larry will find the quickest solutions to tough problems. Both Bill Gates uh, is famous for saying, he's like, I will always hire a lazy person to do a tough job because they will find the quickest way to do it. So I feel like Larry embodies that sometimes where he's like, he's not going to put any maximum effort into this. So you will find the quickest way to mitigate any of these solutions. And if there is an adversary that is threatening us, he will insist on meeting with this said person, uh, with the adversary in person, and just micro-argue them into submission. They will sit across the table, and he will nitpick something against them. They will get in this tiny little fight, and the other person will just be too annoyed 
to get into a years long conflict with us because they're going to have to deal with this guy over and over and over again. Now, I will admit that there is a risk that he will instigate petty war by having some of these micro arguments, but <laughs> he will have the full power of the U.S. military behind him to back it up. So I, I can't is- see us getting in a war with like Belgium or something because yes. he orders a sweater and it comes in the wrong size and then that escalates to. No, I, no it would be because he got burnt waffles at a diner. That's why he would go to war with Belgium. <laughs> like That was exactly what would happen. But yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm pessimistically um, optimistic about this choice because um, Larry David is famous for going out of his way to cover up his, 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 his ne'er do wells and his flubs. So that's one thing he will. So I think if you have Larry David into the cabinet, you're going to have oodles and boodles of scandals. So, I mean, do you want that for the American people? I rest my case. Thank you very much. As a matter, I have a stronger press secretary and seven electoral votes to make sure that all stays under wraps. So, thank you. <laughs> wow. Well, Brian, I, I, I love this uh, imaginative uh, outside of the box thinking you have used uh, in, in sort of an appeal for peace. Uh, you're, you're showing, you know, that your end game here should be uh, harmony between all the nations of the world. You're, you're going about it in a strange way, but it's a way we haven't tried. Maybe it's the way we need to do it. But how can I say no to Denzel? I, know. I would follow that. I would run through a brick wall. I would follow him off a cliff. I would cower in fear if he was staring me down. He is a, a leader, a man among men. He is our secretary of defense. And this was our round number four and Georgia, the fourth state to join the union has 16 electoral votes that are going to Mitch Brinkman. Woo! Hello. This is already a pretty Hello, powerful. first place. Nice to meet you. Hi. Um, pretty what? powerful cabinet so far. I think at the end, yeah. we need to re-go through the list and say, because this is almost like an election we're going through. Who's going for these yeah. positions? Who yep, is going to have, be the amalgam list at the end? We are going to have the definitive celebrity cabinet by the end of this. Woo! Wow. <laughs> All right. So with that said, we need a secretary of state. Brian, why don't you go first? Who's your secretary of state? All right. My secretary of state is someone who I want representing America. This is somebody I need out there uh, working with international policies, getting our, our foreign friends and maybe even our foreign enemies to, to come to the table and talk. And I need somebody who's going to bring us all together, and that is Secretary of State Bill Murray. So who is more loved over internationally than Mr. Bill Murray? Um, I picture him, what I like to call Michael Scotting in Chili's at an international level. What do I mean? There's this office episode where uh, Jan and Michael meet Tim Meadows at a Chili's because that's where they're going to do a business deal. And you push the actual thing you're trying to accomplish way into the night after you've had some jokes, you've had some drinks, you shared some good food, you've told some great stories, you've gotten to know each other. And then right at the end, you sneak in that policy or that thing that you need from them and, and you close the deal. Bill Murray will be able to do this without fault. Now, he's also going to do this Chili's thing on a massive scale. So you're going to want probably uh, Peter Vankman, Bill Murray, more than less. This is the kind of guy he's going to be wisecracking. He's going to be out there. He's going to be schmoozing. He's going to be doing everything you need. And he will be so well loved that he'll also probably have plenty of interesting scandals for Octavia Spencer to cover up. So... He will have all this friend or he got too close to this person or told the wrong joke to that person. It's going to make for an interesting news cycle, whether it's good or bad. So we will be popular again, at least on the national or international stage. I do like the idea of Bill Murray sitting at a negotiating table with all the <clears throat> high powered uh, people at like at the UN or something. And, uh, it, it's getting just to the point where formalities are going to be dispensed and insults are going to be hurled. And he just calmly says, it's true. This man, man has, has no dick. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. All, all the uh, uh, like-minded parties are cracking up. Even some of the uh, enemies are kind of like, yeah, that's a good one. I, we'll give it to them. And then maybe, maybe there is now a path to broker peace because of Bill Murray. It would be hard to stay mad at Bill Murray, no matter what atrocities we're committing as a nation. 
it's Bill Murray is a very compelling choice to keep the peace and uh, mend international relations. Think about but, this again. Think of a movie that we fund another coup somewhere in Central America, something really, really awful. And the person who all of this stuff is being funneled through is Bill Murray. It will get positive spin. It will right. hide our atrocities, <laughs> but make us well known. I I I I understand. I I'm an American. I love Ghostbusters. I am a patriot. I love Caddyshack. Um, I <laughs> I I think I understood Lost in Translation. Um, but Bill Murray famously replaced his agents and lawyers with a one eight hundred number. So he is famously hard to get a hold of. And is that the kind of individual we want negotiating high level, multilateral global deals for our country? Well, it's one of one of only two nominees we have. Who's our other nominee? Please convince me. <clears throat> well, see, this nominee is one that is built for high level negotiation, built to represent a country at our at our at our peak. And that is none other than Hollywood superstar Natalie Portman. Whoa, you missed the applause again, wow. guys. That's okay. That's okay, CICC. Go Oaks. Okay. Um, but uh, so first off, Natalie Portman has been Wait, I, in I the to, game. I have to interject. I'm, I'm sorry. I have to interject. What yep. sport are the Oak Trees best at? What is the best Oak Tree team they're fielding there in Indiana? Well, the well the uh, CICC women's basketball team uh, was runner up at sectionals last year. Uh, they they almost went to the uh, to the uh, community college basketball playoff last year. That is their best team. Uh, but they they also have a, a pretty darn good uh, boys swim team as well. So um. excellent. All right. Well, yep. again, thank you, Oaks, for hosting us. Sorry, Mitch. Back yep. to your uh, Secretary of State. Of course, and I, I just want to do a, a, a quick shout out to uh, Br- Brittany Schweigert, center for the uh, CICC Oaks. Uh, keep, keep, uh, keep, keep shooting, uh, darling. Good job. Um, so, <laughs> um, but so, okay. So my initial, my initial thought for Secretary of State, because it was uh, someone that you know, I, I want to say a quick uh, aside here. Someone that's traveled the world often. And who do you think of that, James Bond? And so, of course, I just want to mention. I want to send out my. Uh, deepest condolences to the Connery family for the passing of Sean today. And um, well, I guess this is at the time of recording. Bond will actually come up again later. But back to Natalie Portman. She's been in the game uh, since a very young age. Um, she's a very uh, driven young woman. She's noted as a child. She said she was different from other people. She knew what she wanted. She worked hard for it. And clearly she got it. She also is, is fluent in, of course, uh, English, Hebrew. She knows Spanish. Uh, German, French, Japanese. So she can go all over the world. She can go to the UN. She doesn't have to wear an earpiece. She just understands and she can speak it right back to people. Uh, So I think that's an enormous tool to have. She also, uh, everyone knows her around the world. So she'd be a respected figure because of what? Star Wars franchise. There we go. Uh, She worked with international talent in her first big film, Lay on the Professional. That's boom, notching her belt. Um, And then uh, also, um, she has been a, uh, a a giant advocate for microfinance uh, foundations across South America and Africa, which is an incredible way to help uh, in the uh, women in most respects uh, uh, pick themselves up by their bootstraps, which is um, a wonderful thing. Uh, and also, uh, she went to Harvard. She's a Harvard alum. So, you know, she's got the smarts right there. Her cookie jar is full of gold, if if you know what I'm saying. Um, that classic that that classic phrase. And uh, so Natalie Portman, <laughs> she's out there. And did, did, did you say cooking jar was full of gold? No, it's her her cookie jar is full of gold, if you know what I'm saying. So oh, and her um, and her shoebox is full of pencils. That's just just like Grandma used to say. I, I, I haven't heard that phrase, but uh, but that does sound right. Yeah, it so- sounds like it's along the same lines. Um, and she's also had experience uh, portraying very famous um, uh, uh, heads of state or people next to heads of state. She portrayed Jackie in a recent film. So she has she has this international high level experience to go out there um, and uh, and really not only charm, but bring some intelligence and some know how to the situation as well. So um well, she played a senator in that uh, very gritty political 
saga, Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. So boom, that's I just wanted be to bring this up. You're you're putting the prequels as a pro for Natalie Portman. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying that people saw those around the world, so she's a known figure. So when she comes into a country, people know who she is. Like, they don't have to spend the time figuring out who she is exactly. So I really don't think midichlorians are what going to set her apart from the rest of this. This is, this is bananas. I, 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 I respect Natalie Portman and the work she's done. I'm not going to comment on the quality of the film. I'm just saying she is a known person. Star Wars franchises go the world over. Um Ghostbusters, not so much. Well, I, I mean, being a known person is a that's a strong argument. Uh, <laughs> <but> <laughs> it seems to be the only argument. In the, what I'm hearing since since the category is celebrities uh, and her being a known person, I mean, technically you've got it spot on. Uh, so I, I I do like a lot of uh, you know that her starting out in an international film. This I, I think there's a strong case to be made here, but. I mean, how can we not have Bill Murray as Secretary of State? I'll tell you a how we can't. A man who does not have a phone. He, he can't be contacted. I'll, he can't I'll be tell trusted. You, I'll tell you how we can't. It's because out of all the great examples of Bill Murray's vast and varied career, Brian chose to instead use a Steve Carell example <laughs> instead of a Bill Murray example. So we have to go with Natalie Portman. So the third state... <laughs> Round three, the third state to join the union is New Jersey, and all of their electoral votes, all 14, are going to Mitch. So, that brings us to our chief of staff. Brian, you better hope the first state to join the union was Texas, or else you're dead in the water, my friend. <laughs> uh, it's already over for me. <laughs> well, you, you could uh, start cl- digging yourself out of this hole if, if you can dazzle me with your chief of staff, go ahead. I probably won't, but my chief of staff (laughs) for me is none other than the man that I picture to embody this with every fiber of his being. I've looked at the man several times even before this and just thought, yeah, that's a chief of staff. And that is Mr. Paul Giamatti. Mm -hmm. Um, This bald, stressed out man with a little bit of a hunch who has a hard time keeping his composure sometimes running down the halls of the white house with great intensity of just yelling and sweating and saying this needs to get done. I think people will fear him and some of his Machiavellian approach will keep this, the staff of this administration in line because you just don't want to stress this guy out. He looks like he could burst at any moment. So if he's just asking you to do something, you just, you just better do it just to, to keep him there. And I can picture Giamatti going through the halls of the White House, making sure everything is right, especially for some big state dinner that's coming up. And all of a sudden he gets to his table and he looks down at his table and he says, No, if anybody orders Merlot, I'm leaving. I am not drinking any fucking Merlot. That's what I want to hear. (laughs) Him flip out over the wine choices that are at his table. Plus, he's got the John Adams history lesson in the back of his mind. He played John Adams. He's got like that root of American history where we're even when they were just a bunch of white slaveholding landowners, he still had part of the good part that he wanted to make America what it could have been. The well, ideal. All of that is very relevant since we did just uh, confirm a quote unquote originalist to the Supreme Court. Yes. So also, it's it's great to reference a project that was directed by a Brit. So, <laughs> all right, go <Sorry>. away. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like taking the the right morals from John Adams will set him on the right path. No matter how many times he loses his composure or he gets a little frustrated, he has the right moral compass at the end of the day that will get things done in the administration and keep everybody in line. Mr. Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti. Okay. Mitch, the floor is yours. Please present your nominee for chief of staff. Okay. Chief of staff is someone who wanted, they, they have to have been in the game for the longest. They are, they are the, the road tested uh, bulldog of the group. They do the dirty work. They know who to call when the problems arise. They know how to package it nicely for the president. 
in an easily swallowable pill. So I want someone who's done it all. I want someone who's performed, someone who's produced, someone who's directed, and who's done all of them at a very high level. And so I'm going to go with legend of the Hollywood scene, Rob Reiner. <laughs> Again, Central Indiana Community College. Yeah, woo, thank you. Oh, no, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, uh, college okay, so, students love Rob Reiner. That's what's going to get them they, all They do, <laughs> they do. He, he gets the kids excited. Um, of course, he was in the brightest spotlights on uh, perhaps the number one show in America, All in the Family, back in the 70s, back when 50 million people at a time would sit down and turn on their tubes and take in um, Archie Bunker and, and crew. Um, what was his name on that become, show? Was it, was it was he Meathead or something like that? Yeah, that he Meathead's uh, Stivic or Stavic, something like that. Um, and uh, then he went on to become a director, of course, and a writer. And he has a bunch of classic hits. This is someone, he's been doing it through a bunch of different decades. He knows how to, how to, how to get the work done. Spinal Tap. Comedy fucking legend gold right there. Childhood classic, Stand By Me. Another gilded in gold childhood classic, The Princess Bride. Creepy Kathy Bates, Welcome to the World Misery. Tom Cruise and A Few Good Men. And then, of course, Jack Nicholson's swan song, The Bucket List. I mean, I can go on and on and on here, you guys. And then there's some, I'd say his second tier films, The Sure Thing, classic teen 80s comedy, driving across the country to hook up with a girl. What's a more relatable story than that? And then one of my favorite films as a kid, North, starring a young Elijah Wood. It's a very adventurous 90s kids You, you enjoyed movie. the movie North? I mean, as a small boy, yeah. Uh, oh my god! Okay, Bruce Willis was in it. <laughs> Danny DeVito was in there. I, I, mean, I encourage of- I encourage anyone who loves uh, scathing reviews to go read Roger Ebert's review review of the movie North. It, um, it's it's well, more you know, entertaining you know, than watching the movie North. I can promise you that. You know, I think Brian said on an earlier episode that. When you watch movies, you should enjoy them because you like them, not because some old stuffy white guy tells you how you should like them. So I enjoyed North. Thank you very much. Um, I appreciate that. And Rob Reiner, he's, I mean, he's a Hollywood were, royalty. Were you he's calling me the stuffy old white guy or were you calling Roger Ebert the stuffy old Roger white guy? Roger Ebert. Oh, Roger okay, Ebert. Okay. That's All what right. I was going to say. I, yeah. think it's, I think it's worth reading this one line. It's that North is one of the most unpleasant, contrived, artificial, cloying experiences I've had at the movies. To call it manipulative would be inaccurate. It has an ambition to manipulate, but fails. <laughs> <laughs> I have no yeah. idea why Rob Reiner or anyone else wanted to make this story into a movie and close examination of the film itself is no help. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it, it, it's a kid who who he he extricates himself from his parents, right? And then goes on a on an adventure to find new ones. I've never even heard of this movie, so I'm fascinated yeah. to to look into it and watch it if my for my first time as an adult. <laughs> I mean, Mitch, it it's, is, it's, it, it's breaking my heart to look at Mitch's face now and, and see his <laughs> one of his favorite childhood movies be shat on. <laughs> no, I, I, I didn't say one of my favorites. I just said a classic that I liked. I didn't, you know, it was no Three Ninjas. It wasn't The Lion King. Um, it wasn't Tommy Boy or Wayne's World. Um, but uh, so yeah, Rob Reiner, uh, instant Hollywood classic. Uh, I, I, I don't know how you can do any better. I mean, he, he learned how to do it uh, from his pops, so like, you know, there's chief of staff right there. Chief of staff, number one, number one choice, number All one right. choice. Well, he, I, I have to choose. I have to choose between uh, two old bald white dudes. Kind of, kind of can be curmudgeonly. They're two good choices, but Rob Reiner has uh, North scarring his reputation, but Paul Giamatti also has Lady in the Water scarring his. Fair. Uh, wait, wait, but, but Brian, did you think of Paul Giamatti because of those um, accounting commercials he's been in recently? I have not seen those. Oh, okay. I, I was just trying to throw another smear on his records. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm going to say because Rob Reiner directed North and Paul Giamatti only acted in Lady in the Water and he didn't write it, I'm judging based on the lo- whose bottom uh, bottom rung of their ladder goes lower and Giamatti's is just a little higher. So Giamatti is going to be our chief of staff. And this was our round of number two. And so that's the second state to join the union. Pennsylvania with their coveted 20 electoral college votes going Brian's way. Woo! 
All right. Back well, this is it. This is what we all came for. No more of this bottom of the ballot bullshit. It's time to go to the top of the ticket. Our president, our commander in chief, and the person who will be a heartbeat away from the most powerful job in the world. Mitch, the floor is yours. Thank you so much. Uh, again, it's been a wonderful evening here zooming to Central Indiana Community <laughs> College. Uh, go Oaks. Thank you again for having us. Um, I just want to th- thank uh, uh, Mayor Tom Thistle of of, uh, of Humbert, Indiana here where, where the college is located. You guys have been great this week. Man, your internet is so fast. Thank you so much. So here we go. <clears throat> My president and vice president selection here. Um, I believe that this position should bring some intelligence, but also this is about projecting strength, class, and the best image possible around the world. And so I am going to choose none other than Hollywood superstar, um, unimpeachable elegance. Charlize Theron is president, and she's bringing along 70s superstar Burt Reynolds as her <laughs> VP. <laughs> Charlize Theron, I mean, she 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 doesn't age. She is continuously the the, the perfection and the image of grace that are uh, matched by few in the history of Hollywood. Um, she has had a very interesting uh, selection of movies throughout her career. Um, North Country is one of my old favorites. Uh, she did The Italian Job as a popcorn flick. Monster for the Oscar one. Um, you know, Atomic Blonde, she's, she's doing some action. Um, she's been in Arrested Development. She has comedy chops. Uh, I did not pick her for the most recent um, Seth Rogen film where she plays a presidential candidate. But hey, she's got some experience there already too. Um, and she's a... Um, a, a worldwide ambassador for quality. Uh, what was the, sorry, the oh, uh, UN, UN Peace Initiative. She's a worldwide ambassador for that, has been for years. She's also the face of Dior. This woman is known around the world. She's perfection. She's grace. She's, uh, she's very intelligent. Um, she produces uh, her projects as well. Um, I, you know, there's not much more that, that you can say. You just, you know, have her read anything. Pure elegance, uh, uh, pure class, uh, everything is there now for my vice pres- presidential pick. I like to have a little fun w- with my VPs. One of my favorite things ever that the Onion uh, did was their long-running bits about Joe Biden fixing his Camaro on the front lawn of the White House, you know, in a sleeveless tee and drinking a six-pack. So I want my VP to have some fun, and that's why I went with Burt Reynolds because he was the king of of the of the car chase comedy. Um, uh, self-deprecating, childish humor, kind of self-aware. Um, Smokey and the Bandit was his peak. Wonderful, wonderful, uh, beautiful tale about two men who need to go get a bunch of beer in Texas and bring it back to Georgia so a rich guy can drink uh, beer that he wants at, at a truck show. Um, and Burt Reynolds, of course, the spread he did in Cosmopolitan, lying nude on the rug, enticing uh, women and men the world over. Um, the longest yard uh, deliverance. Uh, he, he he goes down a river and proves <laughs> Proves his strength in metal in the toughest of situations. Um, his his star burned out a bit in the eighties and nineties, um, and of course, as a VP, he can he can he can be that guy who has fun. He throws the football around on the front yard of the White House. He was a he was a running back at Florida State. Uh, this guy's a real jock. So, and then of course, his swan song. I would say Boogie Nights. What a beautiful beautiful performance there. Um, so yeah, I'm going with Burt Reynolds. No one had more fun. Um, on a talk show or in a movie or um, on, a, on a Saturday night. So there it is. Wow. I did. After you said Charlize Theron, I was not thinking Burt Reynolds was going to be the next Who name out of your mouth. Who would have thought it was going to be? It's called Theron balance. Reynolds. It's called balance. <laughs> wow. It's balance, baby. It's an incredible. That's why this is, this is like an iron lock. This is so, this is such a good ticket. <laughs> That's, uh, <laughs> believe I love I love the the, the imagination you, that you guys are showing with some of these picks, and, and this in particular has impressed me. So, Brian, you must now present your case of your nominees for the president and VP. This is this is going to be a tough. You're going to have uh, your work cut out for you on judging this one. Cause mine is not as opposite as the Theron Reynolds ticket. This whole time, I have been discussing the Bateman McConaughey administration. So, Jason Bateman as president, Matthew McConaughey as vice president, and here's why. 
What actor has a more presidential smile than Mr. Jason Bateman? This is the guy that has been in the spotlight since he was Burt a Reynolds. kid. No, he's vice president. <laughs> doesn't count. This guy's been on the spotlight since he was a kid. And after a, a early stray from the straight and narrow, he came back bigger than ever. And like Octavia, there will be different Batemans that I will need out of my president. There are days where I'll need a Michael Bluth double taker who can't believe what the other side of the aisle is doing to squash his bill. There'll be days where I'll need Ozark Marty Bird to scheme and plot to keep us safe. And most days I'll need David Lockwood change up Jason Bateman, who has the, the knowledge, has worked hard to get where he's at and is willing to do everything he can to keep his family together and stay true to the law. But his right hand man, the exact opposite of a David Lockwood change up. You have the calm, cool Texan. All right, all right, all right. That's Mr. Matthew McConaughey, the cool guy with all the phrases you need to go out there and make a speech. He gets out there. Doesn't matter what he's talking about. He'll end with, my life is a road, man, and I need to keep moving. Or he'll turn to the next person and say, well, life's barely long enough to get good at one thing, so be careful what you're good at. So he'll be able to take attention away from any fuck-ups the administration has with these cool Southern sayings that mean nothing. And like when Biden was a VP, he can go out and say something completely crazy and change the news cycle for a bit. So these two are the power duo that I need. You have cool aviator-wearing McConaughey bringing like the cool factor to this administration and deflecting from things that don't we don't need. And then you've got cool, sleek Jason Bateman, one of my favorite actors of all time. You talk about, talk about doing comedy, drama, being all over the board. He was a child star. Come on. He's been in the game longer than Rob Reiner. He is better, even though Rob Reiner's older. Let's strike that from the record. <laughs> your, your math doesn't check out there, my friend. I'm going to stop talking because I've made my case. Bateman well, McConaughey ticket. All I can think of right now is how badly I would want to see a sit-down vice presidential debate between Reynolds and McConaughey <laughs> with six Budweiser sitting between them. It would be that amazing. They would end up loving each other, and it wouldn't be a debate. They'd be like, I respect this man. They would They would call off their tickets and join forces halfway through, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Reynolds McConaughey. You know, you, you know, you know, I love Bateman. I absolutely love Bateman. He's one of my favorites. I love he's he's the straightest, best straight guy in Hollywood. But I'll be honest, I've never heard anyone use the terms cool and sleek to, to describe him. But I love that you went there today. I really do, because I think he, he deserves more of that, even though he's just kind of a nerdy dad. And keeping with the civility, I, I was very impressed with the wild choices for your ticket. I never would have paired those two. But now they will be stuck as a pair in my mind till the end of time. Yeah, I well, I, I think I, I just watched Smoking the Bandit and it's and it's it's such a weird, fun movie. I, I would love to watch it with you guys. You've never seen it. We we need to watch so it. Good. Or Hooper. It's, it, you seen Hooper? Hooper? Hooper's great. I've never seen Hooper. I, I did. I did like that. Uh, he, he was going to be he was uh, offered the role. Um, was it Jack Nicholson's role in terms of endearment first? And he turned it down to do another like uh, Stroker Ace with Hal Needham, um, also the <laughs> the uh, the director of Rad, um, oh. but uh, yeah, and and that was that was where his his uh, his luck turned. Stroker Ace buried him, but uh, yeah, sorry, oh, keep going. Man. <laughs> well, so th this is uh, this is the most important decision, and uh, it's the most clear cut. I think I there's the combination of Theron and Reynolds. Balancing it out the way you did was was a master stroke. That was an absolute work of genius. I think that they would be so incredibly successful as a team. There's no doubt they're the right candidates. However, their differing personalities would split the vote. There's no way they would actually win. So, Brian, our first state, Delaware, has three electoral votes, which you are receiving. <laughs> and with that, I can announce that the Electoral College is tied at 30 to 30. <laughs> and so we will now begin a long and drawn out congressional and Supreme Court process where there will be blood in the streets and uncertainty throughout the nation and indeed throughout the world. Tune in six episodes from now when the results are finally revealed at who wins, Brian or Mitch. <laughs>
You drawing ass son of a bitch. God damn it. Uh, sorry, I uh, wanted a victory today. Sir, sir your sorry. mic is still on. Sorry, what? Huh? Oh, God. So, All of CICC heard you. I just want to send my deepest apologies to the Central Indiana Community <laughs> College janitorial staff, the CICC faculty, the CIC uh, professors, and the CIC students. And most notably to uh, Brittany Schweigert Center for the CICC uh, Oaks. <laughs> Sorry about uh, my rant. I apologize. That's not how I actually feel uh, right now, technically. So thank you. Sorry. All right. Well, before we can adjourn to have coffee and donuts in the uh, rec room here at the Student Union of uh, CICC, I have to give you my fast five of the top five presidential election what ifs. Mm -hmm. Elections change the course of history. Let's look at five instances where things might have turned out very differently had the election gone the other way. 1828. Andrew Jackson versus John Quincy Adams. Get ready for some lighthearted comedy, boys. <laughs> <laughs> this election campaign was full of mudslinging and incumbent Adams lost to challenger Jackson. But what if he had managed to hold on to the presidency and we would have avoided Jackson's disastrous trail of tears that relocated vast populations of Native Americans and resulted in the deaths of at least 10,000 lives? 1856. <laughs> uh, Millard Fillmore versus James Buchanan versus John Fremont. Incumbent Fillmore wasn't cutting it, but Buchanan fared no better in office. But maybe voters should have given John C. Fremont a chance, and we could have had avoided Buchanan and Fillmore's inaction as the nation headed towards a civil war, which resulted in 600,000 deaths. Number three. <laughs> death of Franklin Roosevelt 1945. Not an election, but what if one of America's greatest leaders had survived through the end of World War II? Maybe if he had stayed in charge, the war could have ended more peacefully and a truce could have been reached with Japan. And maybe we would have avoided Truman's decision to drop the atomic bombs on Japan, resulting in 100,000 deaths. Number two, 1968, Nixon versus Hubert H. Humphrey. What if incumbent Vice President Humphrey had been elected and the nation could have avoided the pain of the Watergate scandal and maybe, just maybe, pulled out of the U.S. war with Vietnam earlier, saving thousands and thousands and thousands of lives? Number one, 2000, Bush v. Gore. The closest election of all time. What if Gore had been elected and we wouldn't have invaded Iraq on the false premise of weapons of mass destruction, getting bogged down in a quagmire of a war that cost 200,000 lives? This shit's important, people. Get these goddamn things right. It's life or death. <laughs> and that's this week's edition of Uber Cinco. <laughs> from UBK Towers in Berwyn has been... Brian Ernst. And from the Southport Corridor, we have had... Mitch Brinkman. And I've been Nathan Hennenfin. And as Bisbur always says, get out and vote. I don't care who you vote for. Just go... No, no, wait a minute. I do care. That's the whole point of an election. If you're not going to vote the way I do, stay your ass at home. Auf Wiedersehen and adios. <laughs> You've just listened to Uber Cinco, a production of UBK Studios. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your fine podcasts from. If you like what you hear and want to support the show, please visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash UBK Studios. Every little bit helps us keep the lights on and the bill collectors at bay. Keep tabs on us on all the social media at UBK Studios, and most importantly, subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can see that we really are just a bunch of good Midwestern boys. Yeah.